Hi, I'm Harriet Small. Welcome to Have You Got Five Minutes? PR comms and marketing podcast answering the things you'd normally have asked someone really quickly about at an event or while making a brew in the office. Hi, Harriet. How are you? Hello, I'm good. Reels versus TikTok. It's been about a year since lockdown and I guess TikTok has had this most explosive year. And it's just really interesting to see how brands, you know, one year on have kind of engaged this short film video platform but also reels as a result of that so i've been watching a lot of reels recently and i struggle with reels because there's some people who are absolutely credible with reels someone like ali gordon who i know does video as a career and all that kind of stuff there's reels that you just look at sort of on the timeline and they're all the same and and i think it's a challenge whereas tiktok on the other hand i think because it's been out for longer and people aren't using it as a hack to play the algorithm, has so many people trying to do new things on there. So you've got people like skin influencers doing stuff on there. You've got like the people talking about money. You've even got a HR one. The dynamic is quite interesting how the two are sort of working against each other. TikTok is so much more of a trends can last a day, they can last a bit longer, but it, it is somewhere you go for entertainment or informative experience. Whereas I think with Instagram, you've kind of got your normal friends fees and you've got other stuff on there and then you've kind of got the reels there as well and you do see some of the trends kind of transition across the two development wise it's quite interesting so Instagram I think in the most unsurprisingly a very petty move have kind of made if they identify the fact that you've got TikTok on your video and you put it on as a reel it downplays that in the algorithm this past week Facebook have announced that they're testing the integration of reels in Facebook with some content creators in India so we're going to get to this very very samey world soon where we can see reels on on Facebook and and arguably social platforms are there for different things like I don't want to see the same video on like everyone's platform so it's just kind of interesting to see like a Facebook reels if you're going to use it on there would it be different like should it be different and I believe brands are performing better on reels and that influence and individuals do better on TikTok but I'd probably argue that that is based on the fact that you probably have an established audience already on Instagram and the algorithms there. So I kind of take that with a bit of a pinch of salt. I just think you probably need different plans for each of them at the moment. Yeah, and I I guess the the rationale for brands as well is that the production of their reels is going to be very high quality in comparison, I guess. Because I think TikTok, people have gotten used to seeing that user-generated content. They're okay with people doing like dances in their house or transitions with clothes and makeup. I think the challenge with Instagram is that people expect... And, and it's a dangerous thing, but people expect a certain level of perfection and brands can provide that because they have the budgets, they have the resources and they have the, the talent to do that. And I guess that's going to be a very big challenge with how people adopt to use things like reels on on Instagram. Yeah, and I guess they're maybe more used to following brands on Instagram versus TikTok is so much more of an individual creator. It's such a different skill set as well. I just don't want to go to Facebook. We thought we would talk about creative control. It's an interesting one because I think in certain environments you work in them and you all come together to collaborate. And I know it's harder that we're all working from home now where you bring your idea to the table and your idea gets changed along the line. And I think as the years go on, you maybe you build a thicker skin in terms of having your ideas rejected or changed. I've experienced it in different ways because a lot of what I do is much more writing and probably only about 15% of my job is visual. How do you 
deal with that. Yeah, when you're in-house, it's one thing, but now I've got my own thing and I guess it becomes a critical part of how I would work with a client and a campaign. When it comes to creative things, whether that's a design, marketing thing or an idea, everyone's got an opinion. And it's one area of business. Like I wouldn't go to a finance team and go, I've got an idea about finance. I'm just going to like force it down your throat. Because everyone thinks creative, everyone can do it. I use these three things to almost manage that. First one is around expectations. So it's going to sound really boring, but process is really important. And I mean that on a number of levels. A, who's going to be involved in any sign-off procedures and at what point? Because unless I define that, that could kind of spiral out control. And then you find out that actually you've got a really strong-willed manager that always has a strong opinion. And if you've not involved them and they can get to it last minute, it's all kind of people management, really. Part of that expectation approach often I will do even down to writing I've done this around um style and format and and sort of shape like because otherwise you can get so far down a project you can waste so much like creative energy on, on a totally different path you can't process everything but I feel like if those expectations are in place along the way it gives you a bit of a road map so the second one is informed approach so if you ask the wrong questions you always get like a bit of a nightmare answer so if you're going, getting down to such a basic question like do you like the red one or the blue one like that is totally debasing what marketing is about. It's not about whether someone likes red or blue. It should be about we've worked with our audience group. We've measured what kind of worked this. We we kind of are basing it on this gut feeling, but we've kind of done a focus group here. I'm not saying you will have all that data, but I think having a proper approach to what why you're doing things and also working out how to manage that up as well. Because I think if you set those expectations and use data, it's important. And my final one is pick your battles because not all muddling is bad. Sometimes someone can come along with a really good like final point or a bit of insight and their gut feeling because they've worked in that organisation for years is spot on. So I think you have to work out what not to take personally. Those are the three things I pick on anyway. I agree with you a lot on the last point. I think that there are some people who are going to be in the organisation, they've got historical context, but also sometimes they're in meetings you're not in and they just know things you don't know. And I think that's one that you just sort of have to let go of. I guess for me, um, the kind of things that I thought about was having your own outlet as well. I think that's helped me so much. Like, so having the blog, having this, having like my own sort of little space on social, it gives me that outlet to play around with stuff and have that creativity outside of work so I think having that other outlet really does help and it really does sort of give you that space to to try new things as well if they, they're not acceptable in your organization I think also corporate guidelines I've worked in places where they are super strict I know we talked about slides last week but there are some places where brand guidelines are like the holy grail you cannot change they've got their own font they've got their own way they write press releases I remember my brother who works for a big agency in Silicon Valley was telling me that one of the companies that was his client had like a press release template and you literally follow that template. You could not deviate from that press release template. And to most people, they would think, oh my God, you'd go and work there. It's amazing. You know, they've got amazing creative. But when you're inside and you're writing a press release, you stick to the template, whether you have a spark of an idea it's not acceptable but also at the same time is bouncing ideas off of other people because sometimes we can think an idea is literally the best thing since sliced bread and until you've bounced it off other people you may not even understand nuances do you remember the H&M t-shirt with the little boy and it's to somebody else that was like the best idea they probably saw it as amazing and then if they'd only asked somebody else and realized how that travels or how that translates 
they would have gotten the answer that they needed and then that mistake wouldn't have happened. So I think sometimes removing that ego and bouncing ideas off of other people is just so handy. If you want to be creative in your role, you have to manage that. So I think that kind of managing up and down, both when it's in your favour and it's against, you're kind of going against ideas, is really important because if they can't see what you see, you have to show them through data and, and just ask the right questions to kind of have a better conversation about creativity, I think. Risk tolerance really, really does vary. Like I've worked in political organisations for probably most of my career and the risk tolerance in some political organisations is through the roof. Whereas in other places, they're like, yeah, well, we can launch that campaign tomorrow. We don't need sign off. Whereas in other places, you need sign off through all the layers. And then sometimes it comes all the way back down again. So I think it's just understanding what is the risk tolerance of your organization and of your team and of your client because that will vary and I think if you're working in-house is building especially if you're doing things like media relations building a really good relationship with legal and also trusting your gut instinct when something doesn't seem right thanks for joining us and everything we've mentioned today will be in the show notes we're here to answer the questions you need answers to and talk about the PR communications and marketing topics you care about because we've got five minutes you can DM us or contact Harriet at commsobracoffee.com and Rebecca at threadandfable.com if you're enjoying the podcast please do rate, review and subscribe so others can find us find us on Twitter at Rebecca7Roberts and at Harriet Smallies.